Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Alistair Kirschpool. We are coming at you guys a day later than normal, but AKP, how you doing today? I'm doing well. I mean, I would be doing better if we hadn't lost uh, 48 to 26 over the weekend, but I'm still doing well. Good. Glad to hear you're doing well. We've had an extra day to reflect and take in the loss to San Diego. We normally record on a Monday, release on a Tuesday. Today is a Tuesday. You may hear this later today or on Wednesday. But, AKP, i got to start off the episode. Some some really fun news this morning. Oh, glory. We'll get to the San Diego game in just a second, but i got to start with this. Oh, glory, D.C. They announced the signing of former L.A. Giltini, Lengi Lengi Hapakui. I think I pronounced his last name. Correctly, everyone knows him as Langy Langy. This dude is a force. AKP, he's a back row player. Are you surprised by this move? It doesn't seem like the back row is a position we need help with. What, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I assume that these these deals that we're hearing about Kyle Bailey and um, Langy Langy, I assume that they're they've been in the works for a while, and that you know we're just now hearing about them. They're just now getting finalized and so um yeah it's it's always fun to see though yeah and can you really have too many good players in the in the back row particularly a guy like langy langy that is just a force if they can harness that energy and passion and that destructiveness that he brings and you know i envision him i guess maybe coming off the bench probably to start you know 20 25 minutes of explosive just hard-hitting action hopefully again we can harness that energy it could be very interesting to see what he does there but he's a guy who hasn't played i don't believe he played last year for la i could be wrong he did win uh championship with the Giltinis in 2021 he is a capped eagle but I think he's a he's a player that everyone is always fascinated by because he brings a very physical element to an already physical game yeah and we'll we'll talk about um physicality when we get later on into breaking down this match but um it is an area where old glory has had just a few players who are really physical ball runners um Herrera's been good, um, Jamma's been good, Nangali's been good, um, but there's, it's it's an area where Old Glory has struggled to to some extent, so just, just bringing in another big body, another physical, physical player, it could make all the difference, who knows? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, with the rest of the season ahead of us, and a very critical stretch here of some real important games, it's good to have some reinforcements that we can bring off the bench. So let's talk about that San Diego Legion game. As you mentioned right off the jump there, San Diego second half got away from Old Glory a little bit there. San Diego won 48-26. Old Glory did get a very valuable bonus point scoring four tries. That's certainly going to help as those table points certainly add up. But AKP, when you saw that match day 23, that Old Glory release, some surprising selections. What were your thoughts when you saw that? Yeah, it was a wild selection. It's one of those where, you know, we record this podcast on a on a Monday usually and uh, at the beginning of the week, very least. And so, I, you know, I confidently or I predicted that that Old Glory had it had a chance of winning this. But that was way before I saw the selection. I mean, we <laughs> saw there were, I think, seven changes to the starting lineup five changes to the bench we saw two players who haven't 
played at all this season see some time um we saw some people get their first starts of the season it was it was huge changes everywhere and some of those changes that you mentioned, right? And I think it was good to see uh, Suchan back because when he left the week before, couldn't quite tell what the injury was and maybe some concerns it could have been a head injury, but it was good to see him back uh, in the starting lineup. I guess no ill effects from whatever uh, happened when he was pulled uh, last round. You mentioned a couple of other guys out. Uh, Herrera, he didn't start, didn't play, maybe just resting him. I think he might be injured, but I could be wrong about that. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, this the, the info leaks out here and there. Um, an, another surprise, and maybe this was a rest, but um, Fenton Coleman uh, started for uh, Nguali, who's, I start, I think has had a, a fantastic start to the season. Maybe it was just some deserved uh, rest for him. Yeah, there were a lot of these players who I think are just are just resting because there's also Dairo came in for Corey Daniel and um, you had Palamo come in for Fairman Martinez. Um, you had Boyd step in at fullback. Um, yeah, there were just a lot of those switches where you think, oh, these are these are key guys who have played a lot of minutes so far. So um, probably just getting them some rest. But you know what? Hey, a guy that I love seeing back, and he made an immediate impact, and we'll talk about him in a little bit, but great to see Penny Lasanga back. He's just one of those dynamic runners. If you give him a little bit of space, he can create and hit that gap and, and put up some points for us. Fantastic to see him back after missing a little bit of a stretch there. And, hey, it was great to see Doug Frazier. And this is a guy we've talked about for the last couple of weeks. Like, where's Doug? You know? Doug, good to see you, Doug. He he was reserved, but he came on. Um Anything you want to add about those two players? Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's obviously great to see players coming back from injury. You never want to see anyone go down for too long. You never want to see anyone get injured at all. But, yeah, great to have Lasagna back. And he really showed us what he can do again. He had a bit of slow start to the season, but I think in part that's because we, we could never get him the ball in space. And we managed to do that this time. And, it, yeah, he can just tear people apart in open space. Yeah, so definitely some, some some big changes there, and we'll get into the game here in a little bit. But when when you saw that lineup, did you feel like Coach Sims, did you feel like he maybe sacrificed this game for the sake of resting some players and maybe trying to test some others? What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it feels like conspiracy thinking, but it's like the only thing I could come up with. I mean, I don't know how you get to this lineup and think, yeah, this is going to win us a game against one of the best teams in MLR right now. One of the few teams that does seem to be sort of getting themselves above and beyond the pack here. Uh, I mean, Corey Daniel, such an important part of our defense. Fairman Martinez has been absolutely stellar. Uh, taking off Nangali, who's been one of our top uh, our top runners in meters gained for the the first few weeks it's there's just no way that this was our best lineup that we could put out and so you do have to think maybe maybe this is sims keeping everyone on their toes Um, we've heard before that there is no settled starting lineup that there's there's clear competition for every spot every week and and that was something we saw in the preseason as well. We commented in the preseason why we hadn't seen 
sort of the expected starting lineup, but it's clear that Sims wants to keep competition alive in the team, and so maybe this is just a a way to accomplish that, especially with new players coming in. So you've got Kyle Bailey coming in at lock, and that's going to change some things up. You have to expect he's going to be a good shot for a starting spot. And then you've got Longy Longy coming in as a at the back row, and you know he'll probably come off the bench, but that's going to move some things around as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of potential changes in the future coming. Yeah, I think... Um... I think it was a strategic choice by, by by Coach Sims and the coaching staff, knowing that it was the first long road trip for Old Glory DC to go across the country to take on San Diego on a Sunday, knowing they had a shorter turnaround time with a very important Eastern Conference matchup against Rugby ATL in round eight. That, as you mentioned, was probably the right time to rest a certain player's get a couple guys out there, let them show out a little bit to see what some options are. And you never want to say, hey, we're not playing to win this game. And the coaches will never admit that. Players will never admit that either, of course. You know, that's why they're competitors. But it was probably a strategic decision to say, hey, look, the the games in the Eastern Conference, our in-conference opponents are so important that if there's a game to Try things. This is probably it. And you mentioned the recent signings, right? So Lange Lange and Bailey. <laughs> Going forward, you mentioned a little bit where we could see them. Um, is this more competition for spots? Is this reinforcements the rest of the season? Injury cover? How are they going to make all these pieces fit? <laughs> yeah, that's the real question, isn't it? And I feel like that's been the question all, all year, and now it only gets harder. Because you look at Kyle Bailey, and he comes in as a domestic option at lock, and so he can, you could theoretically start him and Tavita Nungali have a ton of experience. Yeah. I mean, that would just be a crazy experience second row. Um, and then, you know, that could give you the option to put Colin Gross, who's been excellent so far this season, on the bench. Um, you could, or you could move Colin Gross to the second row, but you... But then you don't want to replace Bavaro because Bavaro's had a great season. You can't replace Corey Daniel because he's defensively just such an asset. So maybe you're putting Colin Gross as sort of the lock back row cover. But then Longy Longy is there. So do you and you want him to be covering the back row as well. So how you make all of these pieces fit and who you want where and is going to be a difficult question. And I think it's actually a great it's a great challenge to have because it means that if someone's not performing or someone gets injured or something, we've got options. We can rearrange this so many different ways and have it work. Notably, not the way that we rearranged it for the San Diego match, but there are a lot of valid valid arrangements with these players. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen over these next few rounds. Hey, KP, let's, let's transition here and, and, and talk and, and recap a little bit what happened in the San Diego game, some good and bad. I want to start just kind of what worked well. And we don't have to go blow by blow, but a couple notes that I took down here was one that um, even though it was an interesting lineup for Oglore DC, they were game to play. And what I mean by that is they didn't just lay down. I mean, if you look at how things started the first, say, 10 to 15 minutes, they controlled possession there. And it seems like Oglore the past couple of games have started the games off pretty well, meaning they're scoring first. That that first try by Tito calling his own number, fortuitous bounce, right? Tay, I think maybe misplayed it, but 
you know, Tito was right there, scooped it up and score. And all of a sudden, and everyone's like, oh, okay, oh, glory, first try. But, and maybe this is getting into what went wrong first, but that's all right. We're going to flip the script here a little bit. <laughs> On the ensuing kickoff, San Diego kicks off. Mikey Tail, maybe he felt bad about what happened. He races down, out jumps to Bullis to collect the ball in the air, offloads it to the San Diego wing. And all of a sudden, it went from Old Glory 7-0 to now, what, 7-7, I think, on a successful conversion, or maybe it was 7-5. But it was one of those things where it was just like, ah, ah, that was frustrating. But, again, outside of that, they started off well enough in the, that, that they got the first score. They were getting some possession. They weren't backing down from a team that many people had predicted to win. In your mind, as you watched the game and were reflecting upon it, what do you think worked well for Old Glory DC. Yeah, I think there was, we did at points control the game pretty well. And when we were in our structures, our attacking structures, and we, we had the patience to actually go through the phases, hold on to the ball when we didn't feel like we had to rush early in the game, like you say, we did pretty well. And then there's also that on attack, our, you know, we finally got our wings into some space. I, Lasanga just, absolutely tore up the San Diego defense a couple of times. Taboulas had a, a fantastic run of his own. I mean, we've, we're finally seeing what these guys can do in some open space. And both have had quiet years so far. They haven't, they haven't really looked like they did last year. But part of that, I think, is just our attack has not been able to get them into space. Our attack has not been able to open up room to run. So they're running, you know, five to ten meters from the sideline every time with defense right there and so they just have to hit hard and take it to ground and reset and it was nice to finally see them playing with with some space in the open fields getting to run around guys and just show off how fantastically fast they are yeah i agree any chance we can get lasanga back and and dabulis in space just creating opportunities for us i think <clears throat> you know, it, it showed well in that first half. And again, it was 17 to 12 after the first 40 minutes. Old Glory DC hanging around, right? Second half, a little different story. What I want to bring up too about what worked well, maybe it's just a credit to the mindset of Old Glory DC. If we skip ahead into the game, San Diego scored in the 66th minute. It's at that point 36 to 12, right? San Diego's up by quite a few scores. Do you think the game is basically <clears throat> over, right? If you're Old Glory DC... Do you just kind of bag it in these next 14 minutes or so? They had scored two tries at that point. Unlikely for them to probably come back in the game. Unlikely for them to probably scrounge back and get within seven to get a table point. But hey, they had 14 minutes left in the game. Two tries scored. They know that a bonus point scoring four tries is within reach. And darn it, they didn't go after and get it. So in my mind, that just goes to show this team... There's still fight in them in that sense is that even though they were down by quite a bit, they were still battling to try and get the score and they got it. I mean, they got that very valuable bonus point of scoring four tries and they come out of San Diego with a bonus point. I mean, yeah, of course we'd like them to win, but credit to Old Glory DC for, for not giving up in those last 14 minutes and fighting for those two extra tries. Yeah, and I think it's it says a lot about how far this team has come since last year. There was... Something Stan South said to me in the in the off season that 
um, last year they became they were just a team that expected to lose. They were a team that had a, a losing mindset. Not that they didn't try, but they just didn't sort of deep down believe that they could win in the same way. And this is a team that believes they can win. And they fight like they believe they can win. And that's that's going to make a difference. I mean, sure, they've only won two of their six games so far, but having that mindset and that belief in yourselves as a team, that makes a big difference. And that could be the difference going forward. So mm-hmm. you love to see it. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. So I, I want to talk a little bit about what went wrong. Obviously, the score got sideways in the second half. And I don't think we need to nitpick too many things, but there's a couple of things I think we need to bring up. And these are a couple of things that, <clears throat> excuse me, you've mentioned in the past. But the first thing that I want to bring up was, you know, I thought it was kind of surprising that um, Scrum Map Danny Tusatala was subbed out in the 50th minute. Maybe I'm reading things too much, but is that something to be concerned about or is that just more getting other guys playing time? Well, I mean, we've already talked about how I think this might have been a, a test game for for Sims yeah. roster-wise, so it could have just been a chance to get Lefebvre time, but he, he also handled the, himself pretty well, I thought. I don't have any mm-hmm. complaints about how he played. Um, and But we've also heard that there's been a rumor, I think from America's Rugby News, that there's going to be a, a scrum half coming in from overseas, um, so the signings might not be done yet. To bring, I thought it was a I thought it was a domestic scrum half. Maybe I misread oh, could that, be. but I yeah, I can't quite remember off the top of my head here. But there's yeah. there's rumors that there's an experienced scrum half coming in, yeah. who could provide something of a challenge for mm-hmm. for Tustala, which is something we've never seen. Because I was looking back at the stats. Do you want to guess how many games um, <laughs> Old Glory has played where Danny Tusatala has not started? Uh, I bet I can count it on one hand and if you remove maybe two fingers. I could chop off both your hands and you could still count it on your hands. <laughs> oh, zero. zero. He has started every wow. single game for Old Glory. Um, what an not irony. Not all of them, wow. all but one of them at scrum half. There was that one time he actually started at fly half, which was a weird experiment. But <laughs> yeah, no, Danny has been an absolute fixture of this this yeah, team. So. Yeah. If he gets some real competition at Scrum Half, that could be an interesting little storyline. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Okay, something to keep note of. Look As we look ahead, I'm curious to see who this player may be and if the signing happens. But look, moving on from that, okay, defensively, right? You give up 48 points. There's some breakdowns there. We know San Diego can score in bunches. They did that quite often throughout the game where Ogoy would score. And then two minutes later, seemingly San Diego would come back and score. What what did you see defensively that were some issues in the San Diego game? Yeah, so a lot of this was um, the tackling The tackling wasn't great. And part of this, so we lost yeah. the contact area pretty much every tackle. It was San Diego's players would would run up, we would hit them, but then we'd allow them to sort of fall forward for another three to five meters every single time. And so they would, they just had front football whenever they wanted it, much like in the New York game, actually. It was it was very similar, our defensive failings in that game to this game. We just didn't, 
we just lost the physicality battle and we we struggled to to really slow them down on attack and and part of that when that happens you have to start committing more players to every tackle and so you you have to start tackling every one of their guys on attack you have to tackle with two guys on your side or three guys to to make sure that the guy actually goes down and that pulls in more of your players and it means it's harder to set a a good defensive shape and that opens up space you have people trying to cover the the pitch by running across it and then anytime you're moving fast in one direction changing direction is hard and so they just have to go behind you and we saw that all all the time and so they were able to by controlling that contact area they were really able to make a ton of space for the rest of their team and then there was also part of that is on it's not just on the forwards it's on the backs as well i thought palamo had a really had a pretty bad game defensively in a, a sort of subtle way i don't know if <laughs> i don't know if it it was obvious that he had a bad game but one of the things that Fermin Martinez has been doing a lot of work in is um, really setting setting things up nicely defensively for the wings, making sure that there isn't an overload on the wings and making sure that the wings don't have a ton of space to work with. And part of that is tackling the guys who are, are running around out of that space. And so and Palama was not doing a very good job of that. He wasn't tackling the guys he needed to tackle when he needed to tackle them he was just a bit late on his tackles a bit too cautious to engage which can fit some defensive styles but absolutely doesn't fit what old glory is going for old glory's defensive style is hit the guy and hit them as quickly as possible basically and that's not what palamo was doing and i think it it had a huge effect on why the wings were as porous as they were and if you look at San Diego's back line, they've got some dynamic pieces there. And, you know, it's funny because Nate Osberger typically has played scrum half, but watching that game, I mean, he was a dynamo running all over the pitch, making guys miss, running through arm tackles. Would have been nice not to have him score that try at the end of the game. But one one thing that really stuck out to me just goes to show how hard of a player it is to bring this guy down. But Mikey Teo, you look at him, right? He does not look like a back. It looks like you could plug him into the to the front row. But there was a moment in the second half, in the 64th, 65th minute, when Callie Martinez, our, our young rookie prop, came in. He tried to tackle um, uh, Teo kind of up around maybe the upper body. And Teo just warded him off like it was nothing. Like go back and watch that. Like that just goes to show one how how strong Teo is. But when I saw that, I was it just, I think it just kind of reinforced that there were some some tackling issues in that old glory DC game. And yeah, that's what San Diego does really well. They can they play well in that unsettled kind of broken play. They got the pieces that can just line up quickly and they can go and score. And they took advantage of that against Old Glory. And I think that's stuff that Old Glory needs to work on is just trying to maintain that shape when things break down um, for them. And San Diego scored quickly, but uh, and quite a bit there uh, in that second half as it, as it got away from us. But all right, we've got a shorter week, right? You've got Rugby ATL coming up before we kind of preview that game. I want to talk a little bit about maybe what needs to be improved or can be tweaked in the short week that Oak Glory has before they take on Rugby ATL on Saturday. Yeah, so for me, the 
the biggest thing that's going to make a difference is is changing the lineup. Um, I think we've seen just how important Corey Daniel and Fairman Martinez are defensively to this team. Uh, Corey Daniel has that dominant tackling style that just does a lot to take some pressure off of other parts of the defense and prevent teams from getting on the front foot and prevent teams from disrupting Old Glory's defensive shape and structure. And Fairman Martinez does a, a similar thing in the backs. And really, the work he does in the centers makes a huge difference for the wings and makes it much easier for the wings to to close off any potential space over there. So I think seeing those those players back in the lineup will be absolutely essential. And then also on the lineup, the I think it'll be interesting to see what we do with the lock position because the scrums have been sort of weirdly struggling and I do sort of wonder if it's because we've been going with less traditional locks and uh, this week they really struggled and we know Jack Iscaro is a, a top-notch loose head prop and he was struggling as well and I wonder if he's just not if our front row isn't getting the support they need from the locks in the scrum and that's because we started you know, Colin Gross, straight out of college, he's short for a professional lock. He doesn't have quite the size that you expect from a professional lock. We had Finton Coleman, who was originally a back rower when he came to us, and we've been sort of slotting him in at lock. But I don't know if that's his natural position, and he's also not an overly tall player, and so it maybe we just need to put Nungali and Kyle Bailey in there and shore up the scrum from the lock position, get some experienced locks back there. Now, good stuff, AKP, and I think that's, um, Oakler is going to take that into account on the short week with uh, Rugby ATL hosting Oakler DC uh, in round eight that we'll talk to in a little bit. But to, to, to wrap up our discussion on San Diego, let's, let's quickly talk about our players of the game, starting with Ford of the game. I'll let you select your forward of the game first. Yeah, for me, it has to be uh, Jamma. Jamison Fine on the Schultz. Um, he had a, a great game, strong running, um, defensively quality. It, there wasn't a lot to like in the forwards this this week, and he was he was one of the few pieces, so I'll, I'll give it to him. No surprise here, but he's also my selection for, for forward of the game. Again, we've talked about him all season long, he continues to put up great performances. He's my pick for forward of the game. Jumping into the back of the game, I'll let you go first again, AKP. I'm very generous today. I think it's because we probably have the same choice here, too. Uh, <laughs> Penny Lasanga, I mean, you can't... Who else could it be? Just absolutely spectacular in the backfield and um, in open space, and it it was a wonderful return to form, and there's there's no one else who can take it. Yeah, 100%. I back that choice as well. Uh, so I agree with you there. And maybe I'm optimistic too that as we talk about selections for the rest of the round, maybe in round eight, maybe we see a return of Junior Sal. Don't know. Pure pure speculation on my part, but wouldn't that be interesting if Junior's back in the mix? So that's the San Diego game. We lost. We got a valuable table point out of it, which is very important in the standings. So 
<clears throat> Let's now move to our round eight buildup. I just want to quickly go through the standings. I'm going to start in the Western Conference here quickly. It is getting interesting in the Western Conference. Of course, Seattle, they're 6-0. Oh, they've got 26 points. They had to have a come-from-behind victory on the road against Nola Gold, who is now looking pretty scary. <clears throat> San Diego Legion, they're 5-1. and one. They've got 26 points. Houston Sabercats. They're 5-1, 25 points, and those Utah Warriors, those pesky Utah Warriors, 4-2, and two, knocking off New England Free Jacks. They've got 18 points, and hey, hey, how about those Dallas Jackals? Give it up to them. First win in franchise history. AKP, you watched that match. What did you think? It's just great to see Dallas get that off their back. I mean, we know what it's like to lose a, a lot of games in a row in a season, but yeah, 22 defeats before they got their first victory that's that's quite the losing streak so i'll ask you a question do you think dallas wins another game this season it's a good question i think it'll depend a lot on um how they react to this and whether they can find that confidence because they're again a team that that doesn't that assumes that they're going to lose and you can see it in the way they play they play recklessly and they play like they have to make a miracle happen to win and if they can settle down and play in themselves they're actually a pretty good team i mean we've seen them come really close to wins a couple of the last couple of weeks and then finally get it this week but then again no one's going to be as bad as toronto is right now um so it's it's tough it'll be tough yeah we'll see i think they may get another one in there it depends on yeah i think their opponent and what they're facing and what they're looking at but rounding out the western conference now in last place chicago hounds they've got Six points. Let's jump over to the Eastern Conference. New England Free Jacks, again, they lost. They're at the top. They've got 20 points. And if you look at first through fourth, so New England's got 20 points. Nola Gold's in second with 16 points. They almost knocked off the Seattle Seawolves. That would have been something else. you got the New York Ironworkers, who are in third, who, as we talked about earlier, they are pretty banged up right now. be interesting to see what happens for them. They've got 15 points. O'Glory, D.C., they dropped they're now in fourth place with 14 points but first through fourth is only separated by six points and then you've got rugby atl now in fifth place they've got 11 points they're only three points back of that third playoff spot and the toronto arrows now who again have had to start this season on the road they have a home game against new york they've got six points they're certainly not out of it they would need to win right now and be great if toronto were to knock off New York for Oglory, D.C., but AKP, you look at that Eastern Conference, and wow, I mean, we keep talking, we keep bringing it up. It is tight yeah. here. I have yet to calculate the the new playoff odds for after these these matches, but you look at the odds from, from last week, and everyone in the Eastern Conference has a shot still, and that's that's unusual you look at the western conference and the western conference was pretty clearly decided already i mean it's it's just a matter of whether utah can sneak in um but you've got the you've got three clear top teams in the west and then a and then utah as a potential to take one of those spots and then in the east it's just at open season everyone can win and even new england doesn't look that secure at the top of the the table now they'd have to the chances of four teams or three teams finishing better than New England seems unlikely, so they're probably in the playoff regardless. But um, the competition is is fierce in the East. 
It is fierce. And Ogilvy DC has a fierce game against Rugby ATL this Saturday. Let's talk a little bit about Rugby ATL. It's funny, a couple of uh, episodes ago, I kept saying that uh, Rugby ATL was sneaky good. But they're 2-4 and four right now. They've got 11 table points. They just dropped one. They let one kind of get away in that New York game in, in round seven. They certainly have some interesting pieces there. You know, a couple of no, some noticeable players. You know, Momsen, he he's a, he's a great back rower. Matt Heaton, Jason Dom, you know, Ryan Rees, a scrum half there. I'm just naming a couple of guys that can score. Will Leonard at center. Um, Why Tokia, you know, at center, he can he can score some points. Biddle, their fullback. You know, they've got pieces there. I, they seem like an up-and-down team so far this season. Again, they're 2-4, they're and four, but AKP, if you had to sum up rugby ATL, I mean, wh- how would you describe them so far? Yeah, they're they're interesting because you watch them and you feel like they should have a higher or have a better record than they, they do, but they particularly have a really good defense. Um, I think this is the match between us and them. It's going to... It's going to be a defense-heavy match, I think. They've got a very... They play a very different style to us. They have a very disruptive defense. They really try and... They fly off the line, try and hit you before you can gain ground. They try and hit you as you're catching the ball. And so that'll be an interesting test for our team to deal with. Um, we tend to allow teams... We're happy to just just hold our line and, and make tackles and teams can hammer away from at us for as long as they want whereas atl seems to want to disrupt more they want to to get in there and cause chaos and and cause you to lose possession so it'll be a it'll be an interesting test for us interesting test for sure i think it will be a defensive minded game i i I would give old glory's backline the edge i feel like it starts with our fly half tito Tito's been, it seems like each round he's getting better and better. I think there's going to be a lot of weight on his shoulders to really control things um, in this game and, and set up Old Glory's attack, particularly if we got Penny Lasanga back in the mix. Maybe Junior Sal's back there. Be interesting um, to see. A tough road test. Again, Old Glory DC's got, um, I think, very much a winnable game, um, for sure. And, and a game that. As we talked about in the past couple of episodes, if you really want to seriously contest for a playoff spot and be considered a playoff team, you've got to win these tough type of road games, and you got to kind of have a, a response after, a, I hate to say a shellacking, but a game that got away against San Diego that, in my mind, a winnable game for D.C. and a game that they really have to, to show something here if they really want to be considered in, in the playoff hunt. So, KKP, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those. It's it's always good to come away with with bonus points, even if you can't get the win. But and we've done that in in our losses so far. I mean, apart from that New York loss, we've we got two bonus points. Um, we got uh, we lost by less than seven to Nolan to New England. We um, got four tries against San Diego, but eventually you just need to win games. There's only so far that bonus points are going to be able to get you, and this is exactly the sort of game that you're that we're going to have to to win. There's no 
it's an in-conference opponent. You lose, they get four points at least, maybe five if they get the bonus point, and then and you get at max two, and then it's it's a difficult climb. And that's a, another team that'll jump you in the standings. And um, there's just we're we're getting to the point in the season. We're about a third of the way through the season now. I think there's just there aren't that many going to be that many more opportunities for us to get wins and for to get those points and to to build a playoff a yep. playoff team so I love it got to win got to win this game so let's talk a little bit about our score prediction i want to first start with the model akp give us just an update on how the model is performing so far through through seven rounds that we played yeah i think it's missed a total of 6 um, six calls so far out of the 37 actually I don't I don't remember how many how many picks but so it's it's doing surprisingly well so far the only game it got wrong last week was uh, Utah beating New England and it's finally starting to get a handle on the fact that Nola might actually be a, a decent team so I think we're all starting to get a handle on that now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that, you know, the model's built not to react too quickly to anything, and, and Nola just flipped on a, a complete 180. I mean, they went from being an absolutely terrible team to then just upsetting New York and looking like the best team in the league somehow mm-hmm. in the space of, you know, a week. And so the model has been... T- <laughs> it's taken a moment for the it to get to the conclusion that they're they're actually decent all right so what does the model say is going to happen in this atlanta dc game so it thinks old glory is ever so slightly better but because it's in atlanta it gives atlanta the edge um two point win i'm going to disagree with your model here i think this is going to be um uh an l here for the model Everything we talked about, I think we've got some some interesting pieces that are starting to come back. I, I think we're going to see a Kyle Bailey sighting uh, in this game, just reinforcing that second row. I think Magali comes back, which I think is going to be helpful. Corey Daniel will probably come back. I could really see our scrum being the focal point. You know, I talked about Tito. The pressure is going to be him in the backs. I think Old Glory DC has a good bounce back game. They respond well. <clears throat> I think they're going to improve defensively, and I think they're going to control this game. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I like Old Glory DC to win this game. I'm going to give it a 28-24, so it's a little bit tighter, but Old Glory DC in control for, for most of the match. Old Glory DC wins this one 28-24 back in the win column. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I think the San Diego game looked really bad, but I think that's a lot of that was because we were messing with the lineup. I think we're going to have a team that really knows what they need to do. We're going to have a, you know, Atlanta is not at the level of quality as San Diego. They're not going to be able to do the things that San Diego did to us. So I think we get the win by five points, say. Nice. Yeah, it would be a really important win. Again, as you talked about, we need W's. We need to start stacking up some W's. We need to start getting four points or more in these games and not just settling for a bonus point four tries here and there or losing by less than seven it's time to start getting some w's here so let's go old glory dc let's round out the rest of round eight and really round eight all the games are being played on saturday it's a super saturday and it all kicks off 
Saturday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern time. New England at home, taking on the Chicago Hounds. I think this is a game that New England uh, bounces back and wins. Chicago just... They don't, they're missing some pieces there, and when it gets later in the game, there's some depth issues. They they do have some dynamic pieces in the back line where they could maybe put some things together, but New England will probably tighten up the screws on defense. I don't think New England's going to run away with this game. I don't think that's how their offense necessarily operates, but I think New England wins this one. I'm going to give them 28, Chicago 20. New England wins by 8. What's the model saying in your pick? Model's right with you. It says New England by nine. Um, I think it could be higher than that. I think New England will probably just control this game and they'll be able to score whenever they want. I think Chicago will get their points. They have the people to the players to to get theirs. So I think I'm gonna say New England by fourteen. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit that's a big win for for New England there by fourteen. Moving on, this is the game that um, I think I've convinced myself I, I know how I'm going to pick, but Toronto at home, their first home game of the season. They've got a 73% win percentage at home. They're taking on a New York Ironworkers who just stuck it to Atlanta, but they're banged up. At least three prominent players, Al, Fido, O'Connor, and Heine. This is a Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. AKP, what does the model say and then your pick? So the model has uh, New York by eight points, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna take that pick. I think New York controls this game. I don't think Toronto has too many injuries. They're too much of a mess right now. I don't think they really have a chance. AKP, I love things when things are messy. This might be a terrible pick as I fall further in the standings against some other people I didn't know I was in competition with, the Jacks Rangers folks, but. That's okay. I'm going to pick Toronto here. I think Toronto is at home. They're going to be fired up. They may get some reinforcements. I think New York's a little bit banged up. This is a game that Toronto has to win if they want to hang around. And they've got a stretch of home games coming up. I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick the arrows to win this one by three. That's a, It's a brave pick. I, I appreciate bravery. We are a pro-bravery podcast, so uh, I like it. So third game on Saturday, again, is Atlanta versus D.C. That's a Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. So get your Saturday night dinner plans ready and watch that game. We both have picked D.C. to win that one. Moving into the Saturday night action, two games going on at the same time. Starting first, Houston at home, taking on a Utah Warrior squad that just knocked off New England. Utah, a couple of concerns for me about Utah. A couple of players had to leave that New England game early. Their dynamic wing, Joe Mono. Their lock, Jamie Lane. I think they're waiting potentially to see if there will be a sighting for Paul Lasique. There was a head-to-head contact with Mitch Wilson. I don't think it was deliberate, but we'll see what the MLR officials have to say about that. AKP, what does the model say? Is who's who who's going to win this game according to the model? So the model has Houston by four, which I think is the sort of common sense standard pick. I mean, Houston's just looked really good. I mean, you you saw what San Diego did to us. Houston is the the team that's beaten the only team that's beaten San Diego. I think Utah's going to have a tough task, and like you say, with players out. Yeah. I just can't 
I think it's going to be tough for them. So I'll, I'll take Houston, and I'll take Houston by three. I think Utah's got the pieces to keep it close. Be interesting to see who will be missing for Utah, as we mentioned earlier. But as we talked about earlier, this is such an important game for Utah because Houston is third in the Western Conference. They're ahead of Utah, who's fourth. They're ahead of Utah by seven points. That Utah needs to win this game to hang with them. They can't separate by double digits. That would be really tough. Certainly there's time left to be able to claw back. This is such an important game for Utah. Given all of that, though, I don't know if I can go out there on the limb and pick Utah to win this one. I do agree. I think Houston's a better squad. They play well at home. You mentioned Utah's got the pieces to try and make this thing interesting. I think they do. I think Houston maybe is just too strong and too good at home that they end up winning this game. I, I think Houston wins this one by five. So it should be an exciting match. And then, oh boy, the round eight finale. Seattle Seawolves at home against the San Diego Legion. One and two in the Western Conference. One and two in the MLR Power Rankings. Brought to you by Rugby Morning. Could we see, AKP, the Seattle Seawolves at home lose to the San Diego Legion? Before you answer that question, what does the model say? So the model has this one as a tie the second time this season but only just it's it's it was it was this close to giving san diego the the win here so it's a tie with a slight favoring for san diego this is interesting because we we know that san diego is one of the the top scoring teams in the league seattle has an awesome defense they play well at home if you look back at round seven, and I think two two matches were fantastic again, that, that New England-Utah game. But that Nola Gold-Seattle Seagulls game was high scoring. It was fun. It was Nola jumping out to a big league. Seattle bouncing back. And Nola Gold nearly almost winning the game at the end. Nola Gold can score some points. And they put up some points on Seattle. Again, that was a home game for Nola Gold. Have... The Seattle Seawolves faced an offense, or are they prepared to be able to, to take down a Legion team that can, can can drop a lot of points? AKP, do you have thoughts on who do you think will win this game? It's a really tough one. Seattle in some ways hasn't been that impressive because they've they've managed to win a lot of games, but they've not they haven't dominated games. They tend to they tend to just prevent anyone scoring and then they tend to just sneak out ahead by a few points because they've got a good kicker. And maybe that'll be enough this time, or maybe San Diego will just blow that to pieces. Um, I'm going to take San Diego. Oh, I love it. I like Seattle in this one. I think it's going to be a f- real fun one to watch. I think if Seattle wins this one, they continue to have that pole position to represent the Western Conference. I'd like Seattle to win this one by five. Seattle Seawolves hang on to their undefeated record and hang on to the top spot in the MLR power rankings. I like it. It's going to be a fun one. We shall see. We shall see. Yeah. I just wish all the games weren't all stacked up on a Saturday I'd like spending them out over the weekend, a Friday night game, maybe three on a Saturday, one in the afternoon, two in the evening, and one on Sunday or something like that. But I don't control all of that. 
AKP, get us out of here, man. What are your final thoughts before we uh, shut this down? We're still in the race. We're still in the hunt. Um, the San Diego game looked bad, but don't get too disheartened. I I think we can think we can still pull this out. I agree. Let's go down to Atlanta, stomp some peaches, and get that W in the win column. For Alistair Kirsch Pool, I am John Fitzpatrick. We'll catch you next week right here on the Glorious Rugby Podcast. <laughs>